Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you today. Thank you for giving us this wonderful opportunity to gather this morning to worship you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the promise that every single day, Lord, you will be with us until the end of the age. I give you thanks for the opportunity for us to come to worship you, Lord, and to sing songs and to pray and to greet our brothers and sisters. Give us, Lord, your presence as we hear your word today. I pray, Lord, that uh, uh, your word will proclaim with boldness this morning. And I pray, Lord, for each one of us, Lord, that uh, are gathered in this place to hear, to hear your word. We pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, friends. I'm so excited to be here. This is a, a great opportunity for me to come and say hi to you. I know some of you, and uh, many of you is the first time I'm meeting. My name is Eddie Aleman. Uh, just a little bit about a little bit about me before I, I jump to, to 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 share what God had for me uh, to share with you today. Uh, I was born in Nicaragua. If you see the map of Latin America, I'm right in the middle border with Costa Rica and Honduras. So if you have ever done mission in those areas, I'm from there. Um, lived in Canada for about 17 years and lived in the U.S. for 17 years. So I just recently became a U.S. citizen in December. So I have my... <clears throat> you know, I was, I was doing ministry in California with my Canadian passport. And every time I flew to different places, they asked me, are you really Canadian? <laughs> I said, yes, I am. <laughs> so I was here doing, you know, doing ministry with my visa and permanent resident card. And I was making it long to become a U.S. And immigration told me, either you become a U.S. citizen or you go back to Canada. <laughs> I said, well, I think it's time. So my wife, uh, I'm sorry she's not here with me today, but uh, my wife Daisy sends greetings. Uh, we've been married for 30 years, 31 years we'll be in December, three kids and three grandchildren. And I have been serving as the General Secretary for the Reformed Church in America since July of 2018. So it's been about nine months and uh, it's, been a, it's been a unique journey for me in the last nine months. It is interesting uh, to, to, um, to serve in that capacity. Uh, before that, I was a pastor. I did ministry in California, Central, Central California, Southern California. I, I was a pastor of a multi-ethnic church in Los Angeles. Um, uh, remember, we had long days for worship. We had eight worship services in our church. So five in English, two in Spanish, and one in Nepalese. It was a great, great experience, but it was a long, for me, where Sundays were long. Now I'm, I'm happy that sometime I had two services, but uh, I came from the local church. So I lead as a pastor, not as a, not as a, not as a de denominational executive. And uh, my love for the church, you know, um, is, um, I, I love the church and, uh, and, and I'm hoping, you know, for the Reformed Church in America to to really move, move in that direction, in the direction of, uh, of really connecting with local churches and, and also equipping local congregations. So this morning, I, I want to share with you uh, 
a message that I've been sharing with some, some of our churches to talk about the Holy Spirit. I, I think it's a good time for us. It, it is important for us in, in the Reformed Church in America in this time of our history to go back to the basics. And, and I'm talking, you know, uh, to the church, to the classes that I met uh, with and regional synods and congregations. He has to go back to the basics and to, and to hear Jesus one more time. To hear Jesus one more time and to open our ears uh, to the guidance of Jesus and what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. So my, the text for this morning comes from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts, the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, hear the word of the Lord. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit is often the forgotten member of the Trinity. Um, Christians, you know, they know about God. Christians study about Jesus and read about Jesus, but not so much about the Holy Spirit. And I, I believe it's important for us. It's important for us to know that, that we believe in a God who is, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, some people, you know, choose to reject the Holy Spirit completely, and they focus on, on God and on Jesus. But one thing we cannot escape as Christian, is that Jesus himself pointed to the Holy Spirit and told his disciples to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus himself, you know, in the book of Acts, you know, this is the resurrected Jesus. Uh, Jesus resurrected from the dead and, and, and he met with his disciples ready to be, <clears throat> ready for the next phase of mission and ministry. <clears throat> for the disciples, and he pointed to the Holy Spirit. He, he, said, he said to them, stay here and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. They were not concerned about that. They were concerned mostly about freedom from the Roman Empire. They, want, they wanted freedom from, from the Romans. And they said, Jesus, you came to give us freedom. But Jesus was talking about a different kind of freedom for them. And not only for the disciples, but for all of us that now are, you know, are the, 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 the results and the, the products of their ministry and mission. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So you, we see, if we continue to read the book of Acts after that verse 1, after the promise of the Holy Spirit, you see Acts 2, the actual coming of the Holy Spirit. And, and it, it is interesting that 500 people were gathered first to pray and to seek God's presence, but that number started to shrink. You know, from 500, then 400 people were there. Uh, then 350 320, 280, and the end, when the Holy Spirit finally came down on the disciples, there were only 120 people. So that's about 25% of the people that initially uh, began meeting, waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, 75% of the people left. And that's just, you know, the, the human reality, because we want things right now. 
right? That's, that's how we are. And that's the reality of the first century Christians. They wanted to see, you know, the promise of Jesus about the Holy Spirit being fulfilled right there. But they had to wait. They had to pray. They had to seek God's God's presence. They needed to be waiting, and uh, 75% of the people that were initially gathered, they said, no, uh, the Holy Spirit is taking too long to come. I, you know, I, I cannot wait. I, I, I need to leave. But 120 people were gathered in that place, and they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And it, it is amazing to read the story of the book of Acts. I, I, I love the book of Acts because I can see the work of, of God, the work, the promises of Jesus about new life and, and about, you know, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit doing an amazing thing. If you see, if, if you, if you, if you see the, the whole picture of the book of Acts, you know, in chapter, in chapter 3, you start seeing miracles happening. So the, 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 the disciples, you know, and the followers of Jesus, they began doing a lot of things. And miracles started to happen. And then chapter 5 and 6, you know, the, the expansion of the church, the apostles, you know, needed to, needed to choose people to help them at the tables in chapter 6. You know, when you, we talk about deacons and elders, that's where it's coming from. The God was doing, you know, the, the Holy Spirit was doing an amazing thing in, in, that, in those years that they needed people to help because they said either we preach or proclaim the good news or either we serve at the tables because now we have a lot of people responding to the calling. You know, people are coming to faith. God is doing an amazing thing. What do we do here? So they had to choose elders and deacons to help at the tables. So then you see chapter 7 and 8, the persecution of the church. Chapter 9, it's a, it's a beautiful passage in chapter 9 of the book of Acts where you see Paul, you know, following Christians and Jesus himself appearing to him. And then chapter 10, I, I believe that for me, as, 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 as we see now, you know, the work of God, chapter 10 is an amazing story. God is shifting the reality of the church in the first century in chapter 10. This is the inclusion of Gentiles. Gentiles were not supposed to be part of God's family. And this is what, what people were saying. The, the apostles didn't understand that. How in the world is that the Holy Spirit is even coming upon Gentiles? You see in one side of the book of Acts, in the story of the chapter 10, you see Cornelius. He was a, a Roman soldier. He was not part of the Jewish community, but he, for somehow, he knew about God. Somehow, he had an experience with God. Somehow, he had, a, he had an experience of, of, of God in his, in his life. And he, he was a good man. He prayed a lot. He shared, you know, the things that he had with other people. And he was, but he didn't know who God was. And he had a dream. In his dream, the Holy Spirit comes and, tell, and tells him, you know, you need to call somebody named Peter to come and he will teach you the things that you need to hear. So he woke up from his dream, from his vision, and he sent two, two, three of his guys to go and find Peter. And then Peter was here and the Holy Spirit was working with Peter on the other side. And Peter had a dream. And his dream, in his vision, he saw different kinds of animals coming down, you know, from heaven. And the voice of the Spirit telling him, Peter, stand up, kill, and eat. And Peter was arguing with the voice of the Spirit in chapter 10. He was arguing with that voice. 
And the voice is telling him, Peter, stand up, kill, and eat. And he was saying, Lord, but I, I, those animals, you know, none of those animals have ever entered into my mouth in the past. And the voice of the Spirit, the voice of God was telling him, Peter, stand up, kill, and eat. So when he woke up from his dream, Cornelius' people came to his place, and then he, won't, he went down to Cornelius' home. That's a, beautiful, that's a beautiful image. Cornelius had a lot of people in his home. Even Peter, before coming into Cornelius' home, he said, I have never been under the roof of a Gentile because I am not supposed to be here. <laughs> and he began to preach the gospel. You know, the gospel is what changes the reality of the world. The gospel, you know, the message of the gospel is what changes everything. And he began telling the story of Jesus. So and you ask, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the story of Jesus. That is the gospel. The story of Jesus. The story of God coming to live with us. The story of God himself deciding to move and live with me. Isn't that amazing? The, the story of the gospel is fantastic, you know. Even though I'm a sinner, even though I, I live, you know, I, I, I live away from God, even though I make my own decisions, even though I do not deserve anything because of my sin, God decided to move and live with me. That's the story of the gospel. So Peter began to tell the story of Jesus. God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And this person named Jesus, share the good news, talk about the kingdom of God, talking about the nearness of the kingdom. The kingdom of God came to us, and that's the story of Jesus. And then this Jesus died on the cross. He was crucified. He decided to come and, and be crucified, and then he resurrected from the dead. And then when Peter finally ended up preaching his sermon on Cornelius' home, the Holy Spirit started coming down. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit came down even upon Gentiles, and they didn't understand what was going on. That's the story of chapter 10. Then if you continue reading the whole book of Acts to the end, you see the expansion of the church, the work of the Holy Spirit in many and many and many different, different places to really, to really teaching the church to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so my hope uh, for the Reformed Church in America, and not only for, the, for us, for the church as a denomination, but for our local churches like Fifth Reformed Church, you know, the calling of God to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, that is the calling that we have today. And my encouragement to our churches is to, to actually leave that out. Leave that out in, the, in, in your communities. Be the presence of Jesus in these communities. You know, in the communities that, that our churches are doing ministry. And, and today, I, I want to I share with you a couple, you know, a couple things on... on a, couple practical things on how to live in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you, if you see the church in chapter 10, you see the story of Cornelius, you know, then uh, the, the, the church in Antioch and the church in, in Jerusalem, you know, the church of Antioch really took the vision to, to proclaim the good news 
you know, in many different places. In chapter 13, they send, you know, Paul and Barnabas and some of his guys there, and they planted church in a lot of different places. So that's how we, in the New Testament, we see a lot of, a lot of letters in the New Testament. So those letters were written in the New Testament for many of those congregations being planted in different places. But you know, in chapter 15, the problem came of the book of Acts. What was the problem? Okay, what, what do we do with Gentiles? Now this is getting serious. Before it was just Cornelius and his friends. But now it's everywhere. What do we do with Gentiles? In chapter 15, if you read the book of Acts chapter 15, they had to have a meeting to talk about what do we do with a lot of Gentiles coming to the faith. You can read when you go home today or whenever this week, the, the book of Acts. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful story about, about the work of the Holy Spirit and about the church missing the point. You know, my hope is that we will not miss the point of the work of the Holy Spirit. So I, I want to share with you a couple, a couple ways to, to, a couple practical ways to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean for us today? Okay, that happened, you know, in the first century. That happened, you know, after, after the resurrection of Jesus. That happened with the disciples. But now what does, it, what does it mean for us today on a practical level today for me to live out in the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, it's amazing to hear the story. It's great to, to, to read the book of Acts. It's great to see what God was doing in those communities with those people, with those leaders, in those churches, in those communities, in those congregations. But what does it mean for me to live in the power of the Holy Spirit here in Michigan in 2019. So um, I want to share with you three practical ways uh, to, to actually live in the power of the Holy Spirit, just paying attention to the, you know, the, the reality of the gospel of the book of Acts, but also, also for me, for me, for us today. Uh, n number one, um, one practical way to, to actually start living in the power of the Holy Spirit is to get before God always, to always get before God. So living in the power of the Spirit starts when you get before God. James, you know, the book of James in the New Testament talks about this when he, said, when he says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. James chapter 4 verse 8. So the first step is all about intentionality. All about intentionality. It's about living as if God's presence is so important to you that you get up early in the morning and pray. You know, if we read the story of the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see how important it was for Jesus to be before his father. He spent hours, hours. Sometime he was with his disciple in, where is Jesus? He's gone. He disappeared. He said that he was going to pray, but it's been about five hours now. It's ten hours. And Jesus was before God all night. He was praying all night because he knew that that was important for him to live, you know, with God, to be in the presence of God. Being in the presence of God is so important. 
for me in my context, you know, as, as a denominational leader, what does it mean for me? Well, personally, you know, I, I try to do that myself, but also how do we do that in a cor corporately? So we hired, I hired a coordinator for prayer mobilization for the Reformed Church in America. So before, we did not have a position like that. And I said, you know, in the office, we, we're a bunch of pastors and leaders, and we don't pray together. What is that? You know, we don't, we don't worship together. Of course, you know, our staff is worshiping in many places, like I'm worshiping with you this morning. But then as, a, as, as, as leaders in our staff, in our office, we, I said, we need to pray more. We need to come before God more. You know, I know that we, we are a group of, of leaders or pastors and all of that. But together as a, as a, as a family, we're not doing that. So, so we hire, I hire a coordinator for prayer mobilization that will help our classes, our congregations, our staff to be before God. Because the only way that we can move, you know, forward always in, in life is through prayer. We need to pray more. We need to be before God more. So, so that is one of the practical ways on how to, to start living in the power of the Holy Spirit, to start living, to, to be close to God, just to hear God's voice one more time and to hear God's voice more. We need to pray more. So the second, the second practical way that, uh, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit today uh, is to... Is to, is to humble ourselves, is to be humble before God. So if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you need to be emptied of yourself first. I mean, you know, the, the, the reality is that uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes we're too proud, maybe because of our education, maybe because of our financial situation, maybe because any, anything. So, but it, it, honestly, if we want to live, you know, if, if we want God to fill us with his spirit, we need to be empty of ourselves first. Sometimes we're too proud, and that's just a, that just, that's a reality. You know, sometimes we're too proud, and, and we forget that we are servants of Jesus. We forget that we're servants of God, and we need to be reminded of that all the time. So God opposes the proud. Continue reading James. You know, God opposes the proud but shows his favor to the humble. Humble before, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And one of the questions is, you know, the, 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 the reality that we're going through in the Reformed Church in America. So we are right now in, in, a, in a really challenging situation. But, but we are in a great situation. We, ha we have a great opportunity to show the world that we are actually servants of Jesus. I think we have a great opportunity so to be lifted up. We need God to lift us up. This is the time where we need God to lift us up, but only, that will only happen, you know, when we learn to humble ourselves before, before the Lord. So uh, uh, many, many Christians uh, uh, will never experience the full power of the Holy Spirit because God is actively opposing them because of their pride, because of their pride. So, so if we as followers of Jesus learn to, learn to live in humility, 
learn to allow God to take place, the first place of our lives, our lives will be completely different. And this is what I'm sharing with our classes. Maybe, you know, we have almost 400 years of mission and ministry in the Reformed Church in America, and maybe we're too proud for that, of that. Uh, you know, we have more than 200 years of global mission, and we have done a great mission work in, in the world. Maybe we're too proud of that. Maybe it is time for us to come before God and say, Lord, it's all about you. It's not about me. Um, it's all about you. Help us. Lift us up in this time of the history of our denomination. Give us a new, give us a new anointing of the Spirit. That's what, that's what I'm praying. Give us a new anointing of the Holy Spirit for us to continue to be, to do, to be in ministry and in mission as we, as we continue to do the work and finally, finally, you know, on practical ways on, you know, living in the power of the Holy Spirit is obedience. Obey what the Holy Spirit is telling you. So this requires a listening and obedience experience. So we need to obey. And, and, and the, the reality is that so many times we forget what, is, what God is telling us. And, um, and, and I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm just talking about thinking about myself, thinking about, you know, uh, how, you know, in, in, in the RCA, uh, we have, we, we need to obey more. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. We need to obey more and we need to hear, hear the voice of God through the reading of scripture and say, what is God telling me here? What is God telling me? What is God telling me? And not only hearing the voice of God through scripture, but also obey, obeying what God is saying in, in those, in those passages of scripture. Because so many times we forget what it means to obey. So obedience is important as we, as we continue to follow God, as we continue to follow Jesus in the next season of our lives and ministry and mission you know, for us in the, in the Reformed Church in America and also for, for the local congregations. So my hope is that we will, we will continue to be faithful to follow Jesus in praying more, you know, being humble and being obedient. And we will see the work of the Holy Spirit doing an amazing ministry in the mission that God is putting in our hands. Let us always remember that God wants to anoint us one more time. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, for, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, because we have heard the word one more time. Reading the book of Acts, Lord, it's amazing to see the work of the Spirit. Your promise, Lord, remain here because you will be empowered when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Lord, we, we saw that in the work of the apostles, the work of the disciples in the first century with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Give us, Lord, a new anointing for us to live, Lord, close to you. Give us, Lord, the opportunity to pray more, to be close to you more, to be humble, Lord, and to obey the things that you are telling us. 
I pray for the Reformed Church in America. I pray for Fifth Reformed Church doing ministry in this community. I pray for Pastor John and the staff of this church. I pray, Lord, for the elders, deacons, leaders. I pray for every single person that is part of this community. I ask you, Jesus, to anoint this congregation one more time with your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that um, we will always listen to you and always follow, follow you, Lord, in mission and ministry. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.